Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Scripture reading this morning will come from 2 Timothy 4, verses 9-16. through I'll be reading from the New King James. Be diligent and come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Cretans, for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You must also beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it, may it not be charged against him. And would you open God's book, please, to first or Second Timothy chapter 4, and I'll meet you there in just a couple of minutes. Second Timothy, the fourth chapter. And may I tell you how good it is to see all of you here. God has blessed us with a great day of worship. Our worship leaders have just done us always a terrific job. And we have been going today before the throne of God, and we continue that with this discussion. Today, I want to talk about loneliness. Did you ever experience loneliness? Well, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I sort of think to some degree all of us have felt it. It's an interesting and precarious word to try to define. How would you define loneliness? Uh, I think the quick definition would be, well, being alone. That's, that's not it. That, that, that simply isn't it. Sometimes, uh, sometimes don't you like to be alone? Sometimes I just want some time away. The Lord would go off and he would pray, want to be all by himself and just pray to God, be with God alone. And sometimes it's just nice to go somewhere alone, isn't it? I, I don't think that's the definition the fact of the matter is, you can be very much not alone and still be lonely. Did you ever feel lonely in a crowd of people? Loneliness, and a better definition, is, is to be disconnected or to feel. It's an emotion by which I feel disconnected. And there are a lot of, a lot of reasons why people might feel lonely. And in this room right now, there are some of you who deal with this every day, and it's like a like a blanket that covers your head and it just sweeps over you and it's just so very hard. And what I want to do is talk about what Scripture has to say. And we're going to go in a few minutes to the Apostle Paul who was lonely. And I'm going to talk about that and we're going to learn some lessons from him on this important subject. Sometimes people are lonely because they lose their loved one. I've never done that, but I've been around a lot of people who have. And the loneliness is sometimes debilitating. And we sing, does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And the response, the retort is, oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. I, I probably need to give you a disclaimer as we launch into this sermon about loneliness. Scripture does not teach that we can, that we can eradicate it from our lives. A man would do just as well to say to God, would you please make me immune from all disease 
as he would to say, would you please create a scenario where I never feel loneliness again? Because loneliness is simply part of this human existence. It is going to be present on this side of eternity. I can't, I can't go to Scripture and take it out of your life. What I can do is go to Scripture and, and help this, help us handle it better. And sometimes, sometimes the loneliness comes because I've lost my mate and, and nothing seems right. I asked a dear brother this morning about loneliness in his life, and he said, the loneliness is always going to be there, but I think the pain is getting a little less. That's, that's probably well said. And sometimes the loneliness is because I'm single and I don't want to be. And, and I suppose we have men, uh, people, men and women in this room, perhaps who feel that way. I, I feel so alone. I've never been married, but I want to be married. I long to be married and have that connection, but I feel a disconnect because I don't have anyone in my life. Sometimes it's because of something simple, like moving to a new place. And it's going to go away because I'm going to create connections, and and then everything's going to be all right. But it's still there. I still feel lonely until those connections are made. Loneliness is feeling disconnected. And and sometimes it's because of a a long-term illness that puts me down for a long period of time. And I just gradually feel like, I'm not really tied in anymore. I'm not really connected. Now, when I was writing this sermon, I, I made a list of people. There's a lot of them. I, I just made a, a, a short list of people in the Bible who are characteristic of this subject, who had loneliness. And maybe, we don't, maybe the word isn't used, but that's what's there. And I made a list of 10. Then I had to cut it out because it's just too many. The sermon was going to be way too long. So let me just give you a few. Who comes to mind in Scripture? When you think about loneliness. Well, of course, Adam, you know, it's not good that man should be alone. What's that mean? Well, it's back to being single. If you don't want to be single and, and there's loneliness attached to that, it's not good. How many men have, have, through the years have, have talked to me who are single and don't want to be single and have quoted this verse? You know, Glenn, it's not good for a man to be alone. Well, that's, that's certainly true. What about Leah, Rachel and Leah? Let me tell you something, man was never intended to be polygamous, never was. It's not going to work out, it can't work out. And you think about Rachel, Rachel and Leah, both of them, because it was a polygamous marriage, both of them would spend cold nights alone knowing that her husband and the other woman was in the next bedroom in there. Only Leah surely had, had more loneliness because she wasn't loved. So far as I know, Jacob never really loved her. He loved Rachel. Leah, Leah came in through, through deceit. I reckon Leah was a very lonely woman. And you pity her. What about Jeremiah? In Jeremiah chapter 38, I'm telling you, Jeremiah was forbidden by God to be married. He had no wife. He had no children. And he was charged by God to go and, and testify to Judah in Jerusalem that Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon's coming. And because of your idolatry, God is not going to protect you from this. And there's going to be a mighty defeat. And the princes of Judah came to King Zedekiah. And he, they said, now look, he's, he's a problem to us. He's a thorn in our side. Because what he's doing is discouraging our military. We need to encourage them and not discourage them. And he needs to die. And the king said, look, I don't think we should kill him. But he's in your hands. Do what you want to. And they put him down in a cistern, a deep pit. Now, all of your life, if you were raised around Christians and people who study the Bible, you, you're very familiar with the name Jeremiah. He's, he's a prophet of God. Yeah, well, 
There wasn't any water in that cistern, that pit, but there was mire. It was sloppy mud down the bottom of that pit, and there he was. And he's the prophet of God, and he's there because he told people just what God told him to say. He's got nobody. The Bible says that, one of the, that a eunuch who admired him went to the king and said, he's going to starve down there. There's no food down there. He will starve to death. And the king let him take him out. But there was, I just want you to picture that prophet of God down there in that pit, slopping around in that mud, and he's hungry, and there's nobody. And he's lonely. In Mark chapter 5, you read about the woman who has an issue of blood. The Bible says for, for 12 years. Now, have you ever considered about the lonely life that she lives? You know, she can't just up and go with the other women to the temple because she's unclean, ceremonially unclean. How long? I said 12 years. It's 12 years. And when she's in the house, you know, she, people can't just come in and sit around her and touch her as we would. She can't, you can't do that because you'll be unclean too. And if she gets into public, she's got to let people know, don't come too close to me. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. What kind of life is that? And how, how lonely she must be and what courage it must have taken for her to go to the Lord and put her hand on his garment. What courage that must have, have involved. She wants to get better and she doesn't want to be lonely. She wants to be, are you ready for this? She wants to be connected. Now that, that just introduces where we're going to go in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So, so here's the Apostle Paul. So our first point, we start in verse 16. I tell you, let me kick up to verse 9, and then we'll get to 16. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and he's departed for Thessalonica, Cretans for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I've sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak. He didn't have his coat with him. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Of whom you also beware. Be careful, because he has greatly resisted our words. Now verse 16 in our first point of the lesson today. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. He charged against them. Can we put up that first point? There we go. Let's start with the historic context. Now, you understand, and we typically use this terminology about Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon as the prison epistles. And, and when you read four, those four epistles, what you'll find is that there's um, position, that Paul's, Paul's in prison. And so it's all very identical about his circumstance, where he's living and how it is, and, and you read those prison epistles. But what you have there is an occasion where he knows, he anticipates getting out. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 24. He expects he's going to get and be released, and he's going to be. That's what's going to happen. So you have a gap there. And then when you get to First and Second Timothy and Titus, it's different, especially Second Timothy. Now, this will be his second Roman imprisonment. So you have that first one, and at the end of that first one, Timothy comes, his close companion, and he's son of the faith, and Timothy encourages him. Paul is released, and uh, Timothy and Paul go and get, they get Titus, and they go to, to Crete, and they, they drop Titus off there, and, and they leave him there to, to ordain elders and build the church. And then Paul heads toward Macedonia, Macedonia with Timothy, 
and stops off at Ephesus and leaves him there. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 6 to say, what you need to do is to try to correct the false doctrine. There are people teaching wrong things. Got to straighten this out, Timothy, and I'm leaving you here for that purpose. And Paul, Paul expects to, to go to Nicopolis. He says that a couple of times. Uh, Titus chapter 3, I think about verse 12. He's going to go to Nicopolis and he's going to winter there. Makes reference in 2 Timothy to that too. During about this time somewhere that he writes 1 Timothy and Titus. But then he's imprisoned again. I don't know how that happened exactly. He makes reference in 2 Timothy 4 to, to the coppersmith, Alexander. It may be that Alexander, now becoming an, an enemy, maybe Alexander turned him in to the authorities. I don't know. But he, puts, he gets him put in prison. And then he writes 2 Timothy. And he knows that this imprisonment's not going to be like the last. He, he's going to finish his life here. He will be a martyr. Now, there was a first initial, I, Wayne Jackson talks about this in his commentary on Second Timothy, and he says that he figures this was the first phase when, when Paul says, I have escaped the lion, the first phase of his trial. But then you get to chapter 4, and, and what you have is great loneliness, I do not know specifically who he's talking about when he says, at my first defense, no one stood with me. There's disappointment in that. I mean, you know, you have Demas in verse 10. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And, and you have, of course, Alexander. And, and there were other, like, you know, you can go to book, book of Romans chapter 1, and there are a lot of Christians in Rome. And he's in Roman prison right now. So, so where are they? In, in Acts 28, you have the Roman Christians, and they're really good and supportive of the Apostle Paul. But where are they now? Now he's in this prison, this rotten, sorry Roman prison, and he's going to, to be resuming this trial, and it's going to result in his death, and he's all alone. I know people sometimes who, who have to go to the hospital and have some surgical procedure, they don't have any family. Can you imagine having surgery alone? I've had a few procedures. Every time, Cindy's always right there beside me. And, and as difficult as that scenario just in your imagination is, it surely doesn't hold a candle to doing what Paul is doing. Paul is going to face a trial that he knows is not going to end well, and it, it involves his life, and he's going to have to do it alone. And the trials, you know, there are multiple trials. You go to the book of Acts. Uh, chapter 23, before the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of the Jews. Chapter 24, before, before a Felix. Chapter 25, before Agrippa. The trials. And so, there's the context. And, and Paul says in verse 16, at my first defense, no one stood with me. They all forsook me. And, and in his mind, and I do not know, and I've, I've given you all these speculations. I, I, I don't do it just for the sake of, of talking about things we're speculating over about when and where. I do it to say that he's got somebody in his mind. He's thinking right now of somebody or somebodies who, who should have, or he, why, why did you leave me? Why aren't you here? And there's this disconnect. And so what I'm presenting today is that this is a portrait. This is a picture of a very lonely man at a very hard time. He's the Apostle Paul, and we're going to learn something from him even in this dark time. So 
Here's number next. The first one is you got to see the history. But then the verse goes on in 16, may it not be charged against them. We must never allow loneliness to make us bitter. Now listen, hatred and bitterness have to be reduced to choices. We cannot live our lives in such a way that, that the, the bitterness and hatred are things that we just slouch into, that I have these awful emotions that are just crippling, and so it makes me bitter. It makes me hate them. You can't, what you, because it's not, it's not going to work out well for you. You, you know what? It, it, it may not do that other person any harm at all. The one who's the object of your hate may not harm them at all, but it's going to harm you. You've got to reduce it down to a decision. I will not hate them. I, I will not let this embitter me. I will not be destroyed because of these circumstances. And so Paul says here, may it not be charged against them. It doesn't mean that if they don't repent, and he wants to interfere with God or thwart God's system of justice. Or, that's not the point. It's, but it is very much like what Jesus said in Matthew or Luke 23 and verse 64 when he said from the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Remember? Or, or what about Stephen when they threw rocks at him until he died and just before he expired, Acts chapter 7 and verse 60, he cried out, lay not this sin to their charge. Give them time to repent, I suppose is the point. But the bigger point for, for this discussion right now is that this describes a kind of lack of bitterness. And it's not, it's not the emotion it is the decision. The emotion would be hatred. The emotion would be bitterness, the harshness. The decision is, I'm not going to live like that. I won't do that. And sometimes the reason for loneliness is the wrong that's committed against us. And that's how it was here. Alexander, the coppersmith, had apparently turned him in and meant to do him much harm. I don't know who he's talking about here. I just know that he's got somebody in his mind. And he teaches us this lesson. The great apostle Paul teaches us that I cannot allow loneliness to make me bitter. Now, here's, here's the next point. Drop down to verse 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. I want you when you're lonely. And maybe that's today. There was a, there was a legitimate survey done during this uh, past part of 23, in which the question was, were you lonely a great deal of the time yesterday? 44 million people in this seminar said yes. A lot of people in America, I, they didn't, they didn't, I don't know about how scientific that was. I, I wasn't polled about that. But at any rate, it was a long number, a, a big number, a large number of people who said that they were. I suppose a lot of people are lonely every single day. Does that describe you? Well, Christian, you've got something that other people don't have. And it's a special kind of vision that only comes through faith in Christ Jesus. And that is that you see the unseen. And so 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 says of Jesus, Whom having not seen, you love. In whom, though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You've got to look beside you because that's where he is. Now, when Paul says this, he's not talking about God literally, physically sitting beside him. He's talking about what you have. It's not some miraculous thing at this point. This is, this is merely to say, well, what the Hebrews writer said in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. 
Listen to this. Listen and take it in your heart. Take it deep in your heart. I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Get to the end of the Great Commission. Lord, I'm with you all way, even unto the end of the world. Everybody in this room knows Psalm 23. And verse 4 says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Remember? Remember why? For thou art with me. Now see, that's a promise. You say, well, I can't see him. Yeah, but see, faith's not like that. You've got to look through the eyes of faith. It's not physical, but I'm telling you, God requires of this. And you get to Hebrews chapter 11, and faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And that's the Apostle Paul, and he gave us a great gift here. You say, I'm lonely. I know that. I know that people are lonely. And everybody in this room has experienced it. And I, and I said the first, this was my disclaimer, I don't, I don't know any way to eradicate that in your life or mine. I, it would be wonderful if we could do that. It's a part of life. What we can do is learn the lesson from the Apostle Paul. That's what we must do. And, and here is the point. You need to look right next to you with your eyes of faith. Now, here's number four. We've got to see God's purpose for our lives, and then we've got to act on it. Now, it, it is a temptation, I think, when people are grievously lonely, maybe the loss of a loved one, maybe the loss of even of a spouse, to say, I just don't see how God could do this to me, and so then abandon God. And of course, that's the opposite of what you should do. That's the wrong thing to do. And what the Apostle Paul does here is to focus on God's purpose for his life, and then he pushes forward, which is kind of interesting to me because he knows from this very chapter that he's not going to get out of this alive. But 17 says, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and all the Gentiles might hear. I don't know all that he has in mind. Maybe he has in mind that what he's been doing, which is teaching the gospel even in prison. prison, And you know, that, that bore some fruit. And perhaps he has reference to the fact that although he's going to be martyred for the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that people, even through that, are going to be encouraged to obey the gospel. People will know that even to the death, we serve King Jesus. I don't know. But I can tell you what he's thinking about right now. I'm not going to, please don't lay this sin to their charge. I don't, I don't hate these people. I don't, I'm not bitter toward these people. And I, I want to serve God and the purpose that, that he's given me for life. Where I want to go in this point briefly is that uh, you're a Christian, and you say, I, as a Christian, I endure loneliness. I go through loneliness, and for some of you, it's grievous loneliness. Some of us, it's, it's much more minor. I tell you what, I feel lonely sometimes just because Cindy and I are too busy. You're, you Sometimes you're that way in your marriage, and you think, we just don't get to sit and talk very much, and I miss that. And the only thing, you can fix that one. That one, you know, that, you, what you do is you, you call her up and say, hey, you want to go tonight to dinner together? Let's go get some, you know, so let's get some fried chicken. And we'll go sit across the table and talk. Let's go talk. And you can fix it. That's pretty wonderful. You're a Christian. What is God's purpose for your life? I want to say that, that, that the loneliness can be used. Now, I'm not... I'm not belittling it. Don't, don't take it that way. I'm not minimizing the seriousness of loneliness. I know that some loneliness, like I just described, is not as serious. But some, lots of it in this room that people have is very serious, and it's very, very hard. 
not minimizing. But I, I'm saying that there are things that you can use it for. Number one, let's do three. And the first one is this. It's about disconnect. That's loneliness. But now we can connect. You're a Christian. And I, I, I feel like that I, I can empathize in a way that I couldn't before. Can, when, you, when you face that loneliness, can you, can you recognize it better now that you are living in it? Can you see it in others? Do you know other people around you in the church who are going through what you've been going through? And now do you understand something about that? Are your eyes opened in a way that they weren't before? And, and can you, what if, what if you just made a decision right now that, that one time a week, I'm going to reach out in some way to somebody in the church who I believe is lonely. I'm going to find them and I, you know, I'm going to call them on the phone or I'm going to say, you want to do lunch or I'm going to take them a loaf of bread or something. I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a connection to somebody and see if I can help their load, if I, can, if, I can, if I can help them with that sense of feeling of disconnection. I can do something that I couldn't do as well before. But here's the second thing. I can look at the church in a different way. Oh, I love this point. I, I can connect to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Why is the church what it is? Why didn't he make Christianity to be an individual, isolated activity? So why, why aren't you by yourself as a Christian? Look around you. Look at, look at this room. And if you're a member of this church, and most of you are, and you look around, and what you got is brothers and sisters. You know what the word church means? You do, don't you? Ecclesia. It's just really interesting. And it, the Ecclesia, church, is a generic word. In and of itself, it doesn't mean anything religious. That's, that's kind of shocking. The word church in Scripture doesn't mean by itself anything religious. It means assembly of people or assembling people. And if you attach Jesus to it, of course, it means what we think of as the church. We think of the body of Christ. But, it, but at its root, what it means is assembling people. Now, in the context of this sermon this morning, I want you just to think about that. We, we assemble. Man, I tell you, we get together. And we assemble not just for worship. That's something we do rather often in a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights. Other times we're assembling. We had our men's breakfast yesterday. We don't let women in there. <laughs> just men. It's only men. And, we, and we, I'm going to let you in on something, you ladies. Because y'all will never know the joy of a men's breakfast. You never will. So I'm going to let you in on a little bit of this. Because this is pure pleasure right here, boy. We had biscuits and orange juice. And where I was sitting, had a couple of elders close to me and a couple of other guys. We were just sitting there and we were eating and everybody's talking. And, and we, the way it came up was that, that uh, inquiry was made about an older member, a gentleman. And what's he doing now and how's his health? And, and that led to, he's, he loves woodworking, so needs, you know, we're going to try to help him get his shop back. Oh, but he's, he's what about, mm, I think about a table saw and a man with some age on him and some issues. And, you know, you could take off some, yeah, well, but now the answer to that is they make a table saw now that won't cut through human flesh. I mean, the, the second, in fact, it's like five milliseconds when that blade hits skin, it shuts off. It won't cut off your fingers. Does this sound like fun to you? I mean, because this, this was, 
This was the table discussion. And then we went into, so how do you suppose it does that? And could a generic blade work? And we, were, we analyzed that, and then, and then Tony Anderson messed it up, and he looked it up online and told us the answer about how. But let me tell you something. You know what that is? I'm now, look, I know it's funny, but I just thought as I was sitting there that, wow, you know what? We're, we're having a good time, and we're connecting. We're just connecting. And that's what we need, and that's what the church is. It's about connecting with people. And don't you, don't you let yourself get to the place in no part of your life where you, you carry a burden, and sometimes you will. Everybody in this room sometimes will. And don't you, unless you cannot be in the, the assembly, you make sure you're in the assembly. You need to, be, need to be in the assembly to honor God, but you also, and that's the first one, but you also need to be in the assembly because we need one another. We need each other. Now here's, here's the third one. And by this parenthetically, 1 John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light of Jesus Christ, are you ready for this? We have fellowship one with another. That's the opposite. I was, if you, if you get, had to give an antonym to the word lonely, what would it be? What is the opposite of lonely? And the answer is fellowship. At least it's a pretty good one. Here's the third one. I would suggest that you can serve God with purpose in connection to the suffering of loneliness because, because you'll be evangelistic in a new way. I just think that, that being lonely, you can identify this, you can understand it better, and, and suppose you find people in your circle who are undergoing the same thing that you are. And you, and you realize what they really need is the Lord, and what they really need is connection. And what they really need is a men's breakfast where you can sit around and talk to guys about guy things. And you invite them. You might preface it by saying, I know what you're going through. I've been going through it too. It's awful. Want to go to the men's breakfast? Want to go to the ladies' retreat? We got a class on Wednesday night. Why don't you let me pick you up? We'll go. You do that a few times and you can get some connections with people that they start being familiar with. And then you can say, can we have a Bible study? Could we sit down and talk about the Bible? Here's the last one. I'm in verse 17. Let's take it up there. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. I'm still going to do the work of the Lord, the purpose for which I'm here. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Okay, now here you go. Ready? Here's the fifth point. Is that I can guarantee you by the authority of the word of God that if you will walk with Jesus Christ, live your life in Christ, that one day the loneliness will be eradicated from your life. You will one day know what it is to feel no loneliness ever again. Our light affliction Oh, this is over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I suppose you could, 
You could t- tie a string there in 2 Corinthians 4 and drive it right over and tie it in our text today in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look at the things which are, not the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, things which are seen, they're temporal. Wait, even loneliness? That's right. The things which are not seen are eternal. The Apostle Paul says, he's going to deliver me from every evil work. He'll deliver me from, from the Alexander, the coppersmith kind of people that want to do me, to Demas that wants to harm us, Demas who walked away from the Lord. And he's going to preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. There are some things that are difficult in life, really the hard things, that that the Scripture isn't going to fix because it's part of the human experience. It's part of this old sinful world that we live in, and there will always be temptation to sin. Oh, I wish there wasn't. And there will always be disease, and there will always be accidents that cause horrific things. And you could go on with that, Liz. There There will always be disease. There will always be war, awful, hellish war. And you could add to that list, there will always be loneliness. He doesn't eradicate it here on this this side of eternity. What he will do is give us lesson from the Apostle Paul, who I think was in a terribly lonely spot, and gave us five important principles to follow to make it better and to make us better. Are you in fellowship with Jesus Christ? Have you obeyed the gospel? If you want to study today, if you want to go off in a room together and we'll open the Bible and study and answer your questions, we'll just be so happy to do that. If you already know the gospel and you're ready to obey and repent of your sins and confess Jesus, that you believe Jesus is God's Son, you can be baptized into Christ, immersed in water, into Christ for the remission, the forgiveness of your sins, and He'll add you. Are you ready for this? He will add you to his group of people. He will add you to his church, the ecclesia. I hope you will. If you need the prayers of the Christians for this subject or for whatever it happens to be, we're here for you and we'll be so happy to pray with you and for you this morning. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at collie at westhuntsville.org.